Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. It's June of 1943. Stanley has washed out of pilot school and been reassigned. He has returned to where he started, which is at the Army Air Corps Classification Center in Nashville, Tennessee. And through his high marks and testing, he is now en route to become a bombardier navigator in the Army of the United States. Stanley begins his Dearest One's Letters from Santa Ana, California, and the Santa Ana Army Air Base on June 13, 1943. He and his guys have made a five-day train ride across the country, beginning in Nashville and ending in Santa Ana. They had a Pullman car with a kitchen, and they gambled along the way, of course, and Stan was doing his job as the Silver King and winning cash and money he hoped to spend in Los Angeles. After arrival at Santa Ana, he was required, as usual, to go into quarantine, and that was for three weeks, which was a long time. And during that time, he was made to repeat the courses that he had completed at Maxwell Field in Montgomery, Alabama, in February and March of that year. And then he received his new assignment. He was now part of Squadron 81, which was headed for Bombardier and Navigation School. It wasn't clear where, but he was hoping to earn his gold bars. And along the way, of course, there were concerns about desert fever and making sure that everyone had all of their shots and were still in good physical shape. And our hero, the king, was training with a 14-pound rifle. During his stay, all of the insignias that he had were removed from his shirts, and he was now under the direction of the Pacific Command for all of his training. And ironically, as he wrote to his family, his unit wasn't even supposed to be in Santa Ana at the Army Air Base there. But as often happened in the Army during the war, there were spots in a training sequence where the Army had nowhere to put its guys and they had to park them somewhere else. And in this case, it was Santa Ana. And along the way at Santa Ana, the king saw Joe DiMaggio, who was a power-hitting outfielder, famous for being part of the Bronx Bombers 
the New York Yankees. And just before the squad went on open post, they were given a sex lecture. And then it was on to Los Angeles and beautiful girls, the Sugar Hill Bar and the Biltmore Hotel, all of which he loved very much. And as they made their way through repetition and parking and waiting, his guys and his squadron became feisty and restless. They wanted to know where they were headed and when. And throughout it all, he kept receiving writing and letters and pictures from his girlfriend, Betsy, the whack in Tampa. And in his second visit to Los Angeles, the king, who was riding high from his gambling winnings, rented a big Buick convertible. And from there, it was long sessions on what became the bomber gunnery range, all in the summer of 1943. As the Silver King Squadron 81 waited for its assignment and new posting, patterns began to emerge for Stanley regarding where he would go and what might happen. And in this summer of 1943, he had another opportunity for a little bit of luck. That luck for the king became Las Vegas, Nevada. It's July 16th of 1943, as he begins to write his dearest ones and those letters deep in the summer where it's hot and the Las Vegas Army Gunnery School's motto is aim well, shoot straight. As the king writes to his family, you can add one more state to my list. Here I am in Nevada. I'm in aerial gunnery school for bombardier training, and it will be six weeks, and it's supposed to mean four weeks of training and then the last two in real airtime. I'll say it's hot. 120 degrees, we have a pool, and Reveille is at 0450. Of course, what we wear here are coveralls. We don't have to wear a tie. And, by the way, some of us had trouble getting to our next posting. Our train to Las Vegas stopped in L.A. so that we could catch some dinner. And, of course, we went to the Biltmore, started in the bar, had some drinks, had a wonderful meal, but we missed the train. We called and said, this is our situation. And they told us to catch the next train in the morning, which we did. But, of course, our night in L.A., which nobody seemed to mind very much, meant that we were AWOL, absent without leave. And when we got to Las Vegas and gunnery school, that meant five punishment tours. That was hard work. We didn't get our first open post for three weeks, and our base was actually seven miles from Las Vegas. 
And in those weeks, we had training uh, to learn how to shoot. And we had to assemble a 50 caliber machine gun with 70 parts. This school really is the hardest because it is so hot. And then there was turret drill class, which I can describe to you as something like an amusement park. And as Stanley continued to write, he was thinking about Betsy in Tampa. And he queried his mother, what do you think about my getting married, mother? And then from there, that was dad sending him $10. He was a little short of cash, but he was hoping to add it to his stack at the crap tables. And by the 27th of July, he wrote, it was a 142 degrees, and they were practicing shotguns with moving targets. And on August 1st, he reported his first on-post GI haircut. His first open post, he wrote, had been on July 31st, and that meant six hours at the last Frontier Casino. He was beginning to love Las Vegas. In fact, when he wrote in his dearest ones after that first Las Vegas trip, he said, I sure hope I can get back here when the war ends. The king was doing well, as he wrote to his family. He was averaging 98 in all of his classes, and he got a perfect 100 score for the blind assembly of the 50 caliber machine gun. And within a week, on August 7th, the squadron was rewarded with a complete convoy to Las Vegas, where they went to the El Rancho Vegas, the El Cortez, and the Apache Casinos. On August 15th, the squad traveled to Indian Springs to fly the advanced trainers. And as Stanley wrote in A Dearest Ones, he said, I hope I don't shoot up my own plane. He said the sunsets from where they were at 3,000 feet above elevation looked like paintings. And now he was taking his first ride in a plane since April, and he said, I had the feeling of a bird escaping from a cage as free as the air. And then on August 23rd, he said he had his first bomber mission in an A-29 and decided he really hoped to fly in the Flying Fortress. He described it as, that plane is undoubtedly the sweetest thing in the air. It's like a big limousine that floats in space. And he wrote to his father in A Dearest Ones, believe me, Dad, when this war is over, you and I are going to have a plane because it's hard to believe that all this masterful work was done solely for the education of murder. As the Silver King completes his gunnery and gambling school education in Las Vegas, we have reached the end of Dearest Ones in the epilogue, part seven. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.